0: Welcome to an election edition of Perspectives. I'm Steve Forrester. On today's show, I will speak with three candidates in the race for the mayor of Astoria in the November 6th general election. In this order, I will talk with Michael Miller, Dulcie Taylor, and Bruce Jones. This program is pre-recorded. My first guest is Michael Miller. He earned his GED in 1989 in New Mexico. He joined the Navy and came to Clatsop College when he was discharged. He's attended Clatsop College. Michael says he's lived an unconventional lifestyle, doing odd jobs, while pursuing his intellectual and creative passions and concerns and healing. Most recently, he has been prominent in his objection to how the city is treating homeless persons. Michael, if you were to become Astoria's mayor, what would be your agenda?
1: Well. My biggest agenda would be to make uh, that to refocus our leadership in the town on what the city needs, as opposed to what the city wants. We need a council that's more responsive. There are a lot of people stepping up, meeting the needs in the community um, that aren't being supported. I don't. A lot of them feel they're not being supported by the city council. Uh, there's the warming center, for example, that's complained that they've had six months. It took them six months, but what, what could have been signed off in a day to give essential aid to people in the winter uh, survivability. Um, So but the purpose of my run, per se, in this uh, election isn't necessarily to focus on what I would do when I got elected. I mean, that's nice. I'd like to think about those things. But it's more important that we have a community conversation. Um, I've spent the last couple of days going around and talking to Clats Community Action, to CASA, to uh, the, the the school district. Right now, you know, uh, at, in our school district, you know, half of the students that qualify for reduced lunch ha- uh, the, are Adverse uh, childhood experiences, the ACE, show that we have half of them have mental illness at home, half of them have alcohol abuse at home, half of them have illicit drug use at home. We have 35 to 40 students uh, in the high school that are homeless, essentially, you know, um, th- some sort of housing insecurity there. Um, and the school system feels that there's a, there's a lot of issues that are, are are being put upon them, you know, from finding health care, finding housing, finding clothing, find, uh, making sure that they're getting proper nutrition, all of these needs need to be brought out into the community. The community needs to solve them instead of putting more and more upon the school system, more and more upon the police.
0: To what yeah, That's a very good point at the end because the police do effectively become uh, mental health providers and so right. on and so forth. So does the jail. Um, Michael... Um, uh, not setting aside what you just said, but at the same time, the city of course has to run the city, and which is water, sewer, and and budgeting and all that stuff. Uh, my perception uh, jibes with what you're saying in this, but but with a little difference. Uh, I always used to think, you know, this city knows a lot about guns, but nothing much about butter, meaning butter being social, the social side of the city. Uh, and I, for me, at least, and I may be all wet on this, but the Warming Center really broke through that barrier. It was the first time you saw uh, citizens saying there's a crying need here and we got to do something and bring right. it to the council. Right. But by your estimate, uh took a little too
1: long once it got to the council. It, it did take a little too long. It's taking a little too long in general because it's not one of our – it doesn't seem to be a broader community uh, – uh, f- a focus, you know, it's not a priority. We seem to be, as a tourist town, we're enjoying this boom of economy, and there is a lot of focus on what things that we want, and, and not necessarily a, a focus on things that we need. We need um, more foster care parents in this in, in our community. Uh, we we don't have enough. We have to send kids out of the community that they're that they're they're a part of to 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 another place another community to, to find a foster care parents um, foster care parents need support in the faith community they, they there's kind of an inroads for that out of the faith community it's a lot to take up on mm-hmm. and I feel that part of the city council's role is not only to manage the city but also to remind the city of what its priorities should be and our children should be priority number one
0: yeah they are kind of everything so I'm as I told you before we sat down. Even though I know your larger uh, um, intention is right. to raise issues and without necessarily an expectation of, of winning, but I'm treating you as though you're a, All right. a real okay. candidate. Of course. Right. So one question I want to ask each of our candidates is: What about the hole in the ground, the the one at the, at the Safeway block? What in God's name <laughs> will become of that? Could become of that? Uh,
1: well, you know, I, I again, I, I, I don't see the hole as exactly the, the biggest issue facing. No, you know, I got that. I, I it to the hole. But, but it's, if, a visi- if, it's a visible one. It, it has always been my desire, it's been long my desire that that whole area became a parking, a parking structure um, so that we can have, uh, I mean, we are a tourist town, um, so that we can have parking, so that we can have immediate vertical evacuation. Uh, in case of the earthquake, um, so that we can utilize a new structure. We have the, the town is, you know, with with the Cascadia uh, subduction event. I mean, we we face a level of destruction that is apocalyptic in our little town. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more structures that we build that will survive, you know, new modern structures yeah. that can be built to survive.
0: In the world, in the work world or life in general, we often learn a lot from how we handle reversals. When things go against us, tell us about a time in your life when you faced an especially difficult challenge
1: and how you handled it. Uh, I, I think I've faced many ch- difficult challenges I'm in my sure life. I'm sure you have. Uh, um, you know, one of the things that when I was in the Navy, uh, there uh, when I was stationed out in Adak, Alaska, and... Uh, what, what happened in ADAC Alaska was that there were civilian fire officers that were training military personnel to be firefighters. Now, these military personnel, the rotation was about a year and a, a little bit old, less than a year and a half. So just about the time that they got trained to be adequate firefighters, they left. So the civilian personnel stopped training right basically stopped giving us training it was all just kind of a and i was as a lonely e1 you know since the the upper echelon was afraid you know my e4s that might my superiors were afraid of losing rank or creating waves you know i wasn't afraid I, I had nothing to lose you know so i was the one antagonizing and pushing that we actually get the proper training that we're entitled to and it worked yep good for you good for
0: you Well, in the time that remains, Michael, again, I'm going to go back to treating this as a real proposition that you're going to become mayor. Uh, You have a lot of ideas and plans. If you win this election and become mayor, what will be different about Astoria a year from now?
1: What will we notice? Uh, I think you'd notice a lot more engagement from the city council with the people. I mean, the number one thing um, you have to do is you have to get out and, and talk to the people and make them all equally feel that they're part of the town. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that they feel responsible and that they want to participate. People don't want to participate in a system they don't feel is listening listening to them, whether or not it's the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, a small town, a state, a nation, you know.
0: What would be an example of what you might
1: try with the city council
0: to beckon that kind of
1: Approach. I would love to, I would love to hold the city council meetings not just in city hall but to move them around the town to different locations mm-hmm. and to go around knocking on doors before we hold the city council talking to people and invite them to come down. Uh-huh. Uh. Uh-huh.
0: Has that been tried anywhere? I don't know. <laughs> I know the Portland City Council did it long decades ago. It was a very interesting exercise where they left city hall and went to North Portland, and I, I remember uh, the outcome because I was helping a guy run for, for office. And what happened was that uh, they got hit with lots of uh, barbs, as you would imagine. So yeah, one, of the, one right. of the commissioners said, well, we're not going to do this again. And, and my candidate said, no, you need to do more of it. Right. So we've been talking with Michael Michael Miller, candidate for mayor, and uh, thanks for being with us. All right. If you're just joining me, you're listening to a pre-recorded election edition of Perspectives on Coast Community Radio, 91.9 FM Astoria and 89.5 FM Tillamook. I'm Steve Forrester, and I'm speaking with candidates in the Astoria mayoral race in the November 6th election. I just concluded an interview with Sasha Miller, also known as Michael Miller. Up next is my interview with his opponent, Dulcie Taylor. Dulcie Taylor is proprietor of Old Town Framing on Commercial Street. She also has been president of the Astoria Downtown Historic District Association. Dulcie moved to Astoria from Seattle in uh, 2007. In Seattle, she was a media designer with Microsoft. Welcome, Dulcie. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Steve. Let's start by talking about your intentions. What, what is your agenda? If you were elected Astoria mayor, what would be your to-do list?
2: Well, actually, some of the things on my to-do list are um, currently on the city council's to-do list. And one of those big things to me is uh, the Riverwalk uh, vision plan and completing the urban core area. Um, I think that's the last that that I don't think I know that that's the last part of that. And um, since uh, my focus has been, you know, entirely up to date, uh, up to this time on uh, downtown, I want to see that area protected with the same kind of rules and regs that the other um, the other sections have had. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Anything else on your agenda?
2: Well, you know, I have everything from, you know, everything that everybody else is concerned about because we can't ignore those things from homelessness to housing problems to job creation and, and the development that's going to happen that we just need to manage. So all of those things will be in my uh, in my eyesight. Um, but other things like, uh, I get a lot of questions about that big hole downtown. And uh, what are we going to do with what,
0: that? That's on my list. You know, <laughs> what, about, what about the big hole? Because right. it's visible, which is why people right, bring right. it up. It's a
2: big hole with a, yeah. with a cyclone fence around can't it. You can't ignore it. Yeah, you can't ignore it. So um, I have talked to city staff about what we can do with that hole and what's being done now. And I totally appreciate The efforts of some citizens to put uh, up that black uh, blocking tarp, if you will. Sure. Um, But um, it kind of seems like we need to know what we're going to do with the rest of that block before we can do something with the hole. Or we just decide that we're going to fill the hole and make a grassy knoll out of it and, uh, and, uh, and then think about what we build around it. I'm not sure what is the best way to approach that, but... In the time that I've been in Astoria, that block has been vacant mm-hmm. and um, and uh, mm-hmm. and I know that there's been numerous uh, surveys and money spent to figure out what to do with that block yeah and uh, it seems like we it's time to do something with it yeah
0: no one comes to elective office fully prepared. What do you expect would be your learning curve uh, in being mayor of Astoria?
2: Well, I have a lot of questions about everything <laughs> so uh so I think getting a handle on uh I'd really like to know a lot about zoning and how that how each of our uh areas are zoned because I think that's important to look at for housing options that might be available um uh airbnbs and uh vacation rentals, those things I've been studying already, but you know I've kind of been doing that in a vacuum on my own. With you know information from uh, friends and neighbors that have those um, uh, Airbnbs on their uh, in their houses, and um, I think just getting a rhythm with the people that you work with. I mean, you're um, the mayor works as a team with the rest of the councilors. So um, I know all the people that sit on the council now, and and we have a bunch of new people that are running Change. for office. So Change is coming. Yeah, so. Um, so just getting a rhythm of how to um, uh, communicate in the best way, but within the structures of um, how you're restricted of um, having communications with, uh, mm-hmm. with each other. Yeah. Because you're restricted in that regard, right? Certainly. Yeah.
0: In the work world and in our own lives, we often learn a lot from how we handle reversals when things go against us. Tell us about a time in your professional life or personal life when you faced an especially difficult challenge and how you handled it. Wow, that's a good question, Steve. Because I'm
2: not very good at reversing. Um, Hmm. This seems. I think I've. I think I'm having a déjà vu moment on this question. Um. I'm going to use a a uh, fundraising event that we have for the downtown association got it which was a little um questionable in the beginning of time because i was going to put men in dresses and prance them in front of the citizenry of astoria right my board i did it for a couple years and my board said um this will never last so we need to come up with a plan b for a fundraising option and i said i am all for looking at a different way to fundraise, but, but you need to look at, it it can't just be your personal opinion of how this is working. You have to look at the impact on the community and the, in this case, the joy and, um, uh, excitement that people had for this event to just be a little crazy for one night a year. Um, and, um, and, and the enjoyment that it had. And then, they were always afraid that it would not, um, that it would die out, and we wouldn't raise any funds. It has raised. We started at uh, a piece of money, and we've uh, quadrupled that in eight years. So, okay. I guess I kind of, kind of pushing against popular opinion and saying, "But please think about it again and look at it in this different way."
0: Yeah, you have a lot of ideas and plans. <clears throat> if you win this election and become mayor. What will be different about Astoria a year from now? What will we notice?
2: Wow, a year from now. Maybe the hole will be filled. That probably won't happen, but it's good to dream.
0: A year from January. we'll Right, every, or, yeah, a year from, now from now,
2: January. Now. Um, a year from now. Hopefully, um, rules and regulations will be put in place for the urban core, but I know that takes time. I tell people the city doesn't always move quickly. Um um, hopefully, we'll have a lot of community meetings talking about the vision that people that citizens want for Astoria because mm-hmm. I think that's important and has been discussed with um, w- with not a lot of movement on it. And yeah, I think that's about enough for one year.
0: Okay, okay. One uh, topic you did not mention is the library right. And of course, it's it's there, and and there are some plans. And, yeah, I'm very excited about and, the library. And some funding objectives. Um, uh, first of all, what's your perception of whether it's on track?
2: Well, as far as I know, they are on track. I'm very happy. Uh, I'm very happy that we have Jimmy Pearson, mm-hmm. and he's. I think he's doing a brilliant job. I think. Um, uh, I don't know if it's on track per uh, fundraising efforts, uh, but but uh, I like what they're doing. I like how they're thinking, and uh, and I hope that they're—I mean, I know they'll be successful. I'm just not sure of their time frame in doing that. Mm-hmm.
0: As of this recording, we've just learned, of course, uh, yesterday, I guess it was, or two days ago, that the Waldorf Hotel is not getting funding from the state. Yet. Yet, yeah. that That's your— Yeah. That's— the would, I know the would-be mayor talking.
2: Yeah, the I am pretty, I am pretty sure that um, that innovative uh, housing solutions is there solutions on the end of there. Uh, they are diligent in um, continuing to fight to get the monies that they need, and they believe in this project. I am very sure that that ultimately they will be, um,
0: they will get the funding that they need. Okay, well, thanks so much for being with us, Dulcie. Thanks, Steve. If you just joined us, this is this is an election edition of Perspectives. I'm Steve Forrester, and my next guest is Astoria mayoral candidate Bruce Jones. Bruce was elected to the Astoria City Council in 2016. He's deputy director of the Columbia River Maritime Museum, and he's formerly commander of U.S. Coast Guard Sector Columbia River. Bruce is a graduate of Washington and Lee University in Virginia. Thanks for being here today, Bruce.
3: My pleasure, Steve. Thank you. Uh,
0: Joining the city council two years ago was your first experience in elected public life. What's that experience taught you?
3: Uh, It's been a tremendous experience. I never had any political ambitions in a 30-year Coast Guard career, but uh, when we settled in Astoria and decided to stay here, people started asking me to run for city council. First, I thought they were crazy, but then I started thinking about it. I love policy making. I love governance. I love public service, and so I uh, was honored to even have the opportunity to earn the word for citizens votes and serve on city council it's been a tremendous learning experience to see the diversity of opinions in astoria on a variety of issues and uh, what it takes to collaborate with four other people who come from different backgrounds and have different views of what the future of astoria would be like to get things done and i think we've done a pretty good job you've
0: said a couple of things there can you kind of is there a way you could sum up that lesson you learned
3: yeah it Governance is hard work. It involves listening to people and collaborating with others to come up with the best solution you can to move forward with limited resources. And you don't get to make everybody happy. You have to make tough choices.
0: Yeah. What is your agenda? If you were elected Astoria mayor, what would be on your to-do list?
3: Well, Astoria is going through a period of tremendous change. In fact, I'd say it's been going through change for decades. But I think change is getting ahead of us. And I think it's time to uh, have some leadership that enables us to manage change instead of having Astoria be managed by change. Let's be proactive, let's establish a vision for the future. We all know what we love about Astoria now, why we live here and why people like to come visit here. Let's identify what those essential qualities are and let's make sure that 50 years from now, Astoria is still a place that people want to visit and want to live in. And then let's make our decisions uh, deliberately as we move forward so that we retain our essential qualities that we love while we continue to evolve.
0: What would be an example of how you would get ahead of the tra- of the change?
3: Well, I think we look at the key issues that are facing us. It's uh, diversifying our economy. We know that our natural resource industries, fishing and logging, we, we want to support them as much as we can so that they remain a fundamental part of our economy, but they'll never be the dominant player again. Uh, tourism has become dominant, and tourism is great for us, but we need to diversify our economy. Specifically, let's look at our maritime heritage. Let's look at the work that's beginning at Tongue Point with uh, boat building and boat repair uh, near Hayek Maritime. That's a tremendous bright future that we need to focus on. Let's continue to support our medical community as they grow and provide more services and jobs, both at the high end for surgeons, but also at the lower end for the administrative people. Let's continue to fight to get those Coast Guard cutters here.
0: One um, one thing you you not mentioned is uh, zoning the waterfront or
3: Absolutely. The so hotel, as you know, the hotel uh, question. Yeah. As you know, on Tuesday, uh, the, there's another meeting, town hall meeting of the Riverfront Vision Plan, Tuesday at 630, I think, up at the college. Yeah. I would encourage all citizens who are this interested. This
0: was recorded so it will have happened by oh, then, but okay. that's okay. Yeah. The so there, your, It will you know.
3: continue for the next nine months. Okay. Um, and we all saw in the paper just this morning a big surprise that someone's looking at – over on the South Slope, near the old Ford dealership, another hotel. So I think we need to look really closely at that question of when people say, hey, are there enough hotels? Do we have too many hotels? Let's define that. Let's put a team of people together and define that. How many hotels is too many? And what other types of development do we want to encourage? And then let's make the appropriate steps in zoning and code changes to to build the future that we want.
0: Another question I'm asking all the candidates is the hole in the ground.
3: Yeah. What about it? Yeah, so as, as, as you know, uh, we received a substantial grant, I think a little over half a million dollars from the state to clean up the toxins there, but the condition of that was we can't put a parking lot there. Let's do something good there. Let's have a mixed-use building with retail, commercial, on the ground floor, and residents above. I would love to see us put out a QFR for proposals for a building that would be mixed-use, residential, and commercial downtown.
0: Okay. In the work world and in our personal lives, we often learn a lot from how we handle reversals. When things go against us, tell us about a time in your life, professional or otherwise, when you faced an especially difficult challenge and how you handled it.
3: Well, back in in my Coast Guard career, number of challenges. In uh, in 2005, I was in New Orleans as the commanding officer of Coast Guard Air Station New Orleans. We evacuated for our fourth hurricane that summer. Usually you pack up a bag for three days, you fly your helicopters out of the area, and you come back and do a little search and rescue, and then then that's it. Well, we had Hurricane Katrina come and wipe out the city of New Orleans. Many of our members lost their homes. Uh, The federal government uh, at many levels became dysfunctional, and the Coast Guard was about the only thing working. And we pulled our crew of 110 people together at Air Station New Orleans and brought in hundreds of other Coast Guard people from around the country and spent eight days rescuing people day and night, a total of, with all the Coast Guard boat crews and helicopter crews, over 24,000 people that were rescued, another 9,000 that were assisted, and then we had to live with that for the next year. It was very difficult, and probably the, the most certainly the most challenging time I've ever had, dealing with the immediate response to a disaster, but also the aftermath, and if the big one comes here, and we have a Cascadia subduction zone, it's not just that immediate first couple weeks when we're trying to rescue people, it's over the following years as this community is going to have to be rebuilt sewer line by sewer line, street by street, it's going to be tough and challenging. And I'm, I hope that never happens during any of our lifetimes. Uh, But if it does, I feel confident that I've been through that experience once before. And as mayor, I could help quite a bit.
0: You have a lot of ideas and plans. If you win this election and become mayor, what will be different about Astoria a year from now? What will we notice?
3: I, I hope that we will have taken some initial steps to address the affordability housing, affordable housing issue, which is one of the key issues on my agenda. Uh, the city staff, at council's direction, about three years ago, brought forward some code changes. Those code changes, exactly as we saw at Cannon Beach in a Daily Astorian article today, they had a meeting Tuesday where the staff brought up forth a bunch of changes to increase uh, density with uh, elevation height changes, setback changes, lot size changes, and they were all rejected because of NIMBY, the NIMBY effect. Um, I would like to see that over the next year, we're able to implement some of those code changes that are required to be able to have more affordable housing in the city, and whether that's infill, whether that's uh, a changing lot size restrictions where we can build duplexes on smaller lots that are currently restricted to only single family homes. I'd, li- I'd like to hope we can move forward on some of those changes.
0: Now, one topic you've not mentioned is the library.
3: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the library project. I will give every uh, whatever effort I can if I'm elected mayor to supporting the library foundation and doing the fundraising that they have to do if we're able to get the rebuilt uh, or or renovated library that we all hope for. I think a library is a tremendous asset to the community. And the idea that because we have Kindles now, you don't need a library is absolutely wrong. Great libraries and great communities, and I've visited quite a few of them, really bring the community together. They're a place of learning, of knowledge, of collaboration. They're a place for people who don't have computers at home and and are from a lower socioeconomic group, as many Clatsop County and Astoria residents are, can go to, to get a, a leg up in life. So I fully support the project.
0: Now, another bit of news that we've gotten recently uh, was the uh, Waldorf Hotel renovation not getting funding from the
3: state. And that was terribly disappointing. And uh, we're still learning exactly why we were determined by the state to not be in need. I don't know if they actually said we don't have a need or simply it's not simply not relatively to, relative to Portland perhaps, it might have been seen as a lesser need. So we'll be doing everything we can, gathering statistics and data with every group that can help us to make a pitch back to Salem that uh, we do need affordable housing here. And that was a worthy project and it does need to get funded. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Anything I've not broughten
3: up, brought up, I should say, in is not a word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we've talked about the need for uh, affordable housing, diversifying the economy. Uh, we haven't talked about homelessness at all. That's an intractable issue. I look forward, if I'm elected mayor, to becoming a member of the Homelessness Solutions Task Force. I did meet with the board of the Astoria Warming Center two nights ago mm-hmm. and enjoyed the opportunity to listen to their to their concerns and hear them and talk about how we might move forward in the future, but it's a collaborative process. Well thanks very much for being with us, Bruce. Thanks for having me.
0: This show featuring Astoria mayoral candidates Michael Miller, Dulcie Taylor, and Bruce Jones was pre-recorded. Your ballot must be returned to an official ballot drop box located throughout the county or to the Clatsop County Elections Department no later than 8 p.m. on Tuesday, November sixth. Postmarks don't do not count. This is Perspectives, and I'm your host, Steve Forrester. This show is brought to you in part by a grant from the Clatsop County Cultural Coalition. Perspectives was engineered today by Brian Bovenizer. The show can be heard on the stations of Coast Community Radio. You can also find show podcasts on the station's website. If you'd like to contact us, send me an email to perspectives at coastradio.org. Thanks for listening.